Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. This one, the uh, the first loss of the 2020 season for the Buffalo Bills. They were effectively stopped by the Tennessee Titans, 42 to 16. Of course, it kind of got away from them after an Andre Roberts uh, fumble on a kickoff return, and the Titans were able to put away some more points, but. The score was definitely indicative of how far apart these two teams were in that game. Of course, now the Bills fall from their unde- their previously undefeated mark of 4-0. They're 4-1 on the season. The Titans advance to 4-0. And there's a lot of different elements of this game to get into. And certainly some frustrating aspects of the game that uh, that are, frankly, I think some discouraging signs for a lot of fans out there, or at least that's the way it, it felt on on Twitter with, with how we saw a lot of people react to what was happening throughout the game. So uh, a lot to get to. My name is Joe Biscali. With me, as always, is uh, my co-host Matthew Fairburn. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Matthew, the defense, quite frankly, stunk tonight. And I think that's, that's a good place to start with with how how poorly they've played and how stark it is from from what we've seen last year and even in 2018 and now it's it's a problem and of course they were without a couple of guys in Milano and Tredavious White but this is now becoming a trend that they need to get a hold of and they need to get a hold of pretty quickly here yeah they were missing Tredavious White and Matt Milano probably their two best defensive players at this point um their two most important defensive players who happened to align with uh some strengths that the Titans had one being AJ Brown who uh carved up Josh Norman a little bit uh and pretty much anybody he lined up against it was Taron Johnson sometimes um but he had a big night and Jonu Smith had two touchdowns um you know the maybe don't happen uh, if Matt Milano's on the field. So missing a couple of good players never helps. Uh, another you know, point to make before we um, dole out some deserved criticism for the defense is that they had short fields way too often. Um, yeah, they did. You know, the, the first touchdown drive that the Titans had was 16 yards. Uh, the next touchdown drive the Titans had was 30 yards. Um, they did go 90 yards uh, on a touchdown drive uh, to end the first half, but then they got touchdown drives of 12 and 18 yards uh, in the second half, along with a 75-yard touchdown drive. So short fields did not help the Bills' defense, but they also just came up with no plays. And mm-hmm. against the Raiders, you know, they had the the Josh Norman punch out. They had a fourth down stop. Um, you know, they— they made a few timely plays that otherwise covered up an imperfect performance. And tonight there was just no plays, like none whatsoever. And I think when you look at it through that lens, you can see that, you know, when you don't sack the quarterback and you don't force any turnovers, you get a defensive performance like the one that they had. And I think this is that type of game shows you what can happen when the offense is not clicking and then, you know, the defense is not there to pick up the slack. It can get ugly fast. And that's what happened. I mean, Sean McDermott was clearly unhappy about the way his defense played. Uh, I thought they were, you know, the, the one point McDermott kept making was that they were not getting enough pressure with just four guys. Um, 
Maybe bring more than four, I guess, would be my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did near the end with Tremaine Edmonds, but it didn't do much. And they, they slowed down Derrick Henry to some extent, um, but he also tossed Josh Norman into next week uh, and ran for two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill ran for 42 yards. They had next to no contain on him. It, it felt like they were, uh, you know, just not playing the the typical assignment football that you hear them talk about, the 111th. They had guys, you know, kind of all over the place. And, yes, they were missing, you know, two really good players, but for the defense to fall apart like that when it's missing two players is a bit concerning. Uh, This team didn't do much of anything to address, uh, you know, cornerback depth this offseason, and that showed. Uh, tonight they're down Levi Wallace and and Trey White and Josh Norman just doesn't look like the guy that he once was uh, he has too many moments where where he's not um, you know he's not up to the standard that that we've once seen him at and the defensive line has just been kind of blah through through these first five games uh, they've they've been hit or miss with the pressure and it just was not there at all against the Titans, who use a lot of play action, have a good offensive line, and a quarterback who can move around and, and get rid of the ball quickly. So these are not problems that are going to go away overnight, and they're not necessarily new problems. We saw a lot of them pop up in the first month of the season as well. I'm glad you brought up the matchup point because I think it was certainly a combination of the Bills just – underperforming on defense the way that they have for for stretches throughout the season you know with the Miami game you can you can say all right well they didn't have Edmonds or Milano which make a big difference and and it does Um, and so you can kind of look at it that way but the Rams game they were good for the first half or at least they they kept the Rams off the scoreboard in the first half really except for a field goal and and then the bottom just fell out but uh, and then you know against the Raiders they couldn't really stop the Raiders in the first half but uh but in the second half they put together some nice stops this time around just there just was nothing there I mean they forced a few punts I believe two three punts I'm sorry um but it's just there are just too many like you said too many shortened fields too many drives that extended well past the point where they should have they they didn't capitalize on enough opportunities to get off the field and and quite frankly they were allowing some chunk plays today and and that's been kind of an issue for them but the matchup was not exactly conducive to them having success now they should have had more success than they did defensively because they still have a great deal of their defense available to them you know they still had uh, one of their starting corners that uh, that they were hoping to have heading into the season of course it's not the the top one but they still had one of them um, they still have one of those middle linebackers uh, or or inside or those linebackers that play every single down for them in Tremaine Edmonds um, you know Milano is the more important one as we've seen over the the two games that he's missed but they still had one um but going up against a Titans team that specializes in play action passes, you know, our, our colleague Mike Sando uh, put out a statistic of, of the quarterbacks who have attempted at least 50 pass attempts um, throughout this season heading into this, heading into this game. Ryan Tannehill uh, th- had a play action pass at the third highest rate of all quarterbacks in the league at 36%. He's also extremely accurate against zone coverage. And when you have a team that's struggling against play-action passes and a team that runs predominantly zone coverage like the Bills, it's, it's a pretty bad recipe to, to have a bad time there. And then and then on top of it, not having Tredavious White on the outsides where A.J. Brown just picks on Josh Norman or Cam Lewis or Taron Johnson. I mean, it was, it was not a recipe for success. However, they still had nine of their 11 defensive starters out there and 11 of their 13 core rotational players uh really 11 out of uh, 12 out of 14 if you want to count AJ Klein and uh Taron Johnson in the mix here but they need to have more answers than what they did and they can't just crumble because they don't have 
two players on the field. This is what happens in the NFL most years to most teams. The Bills have been ridiculously lucky with with health on the defensive side of the ball over the last two seasons. And this year, they're starting to feel it. They're starting to feel exactly what most teams feel every every single year on, on defense. And they have to find a way to battle through not having some of their better players and to put up more of a fight than they did. Again, like you said, the shortened fields mattered to this, to the final scoreline. But what what they should have done, they should have forced more field goals. They should have they should have uh, gotten off the field uh, quicker than they did. And they, quite frankly, this defensive coaching staff is better or have been better than what they have shown to be so far this season. It's 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 looking more and more like this defense is a little bit broken right now. And it's almost reminiscent to, uh, and Micah Hyde brought this up in his interview after, after the game, it's reminiscent of that three-game stretch in 2017 where they just could not stop the run. The Bills were 5-2 and two at that point in the season. They... Uh, and it looked like they were getting ready to, you know, be a, a potential playoff team. They lose three straight games. Just everybody runs right over them. Uh, I believe Alvin Kamara had a had a big day in one of those games. Um, and and they allowed forty five points per game over that stretch. It was just awful. But they eventually turned it around. Now this is an even bigger challenge because the Bills aren't healthy. And McDermott and Frazier need to fix the passing defense, not the running defense. A couple of things that seem to be popping up with this game, and I don't know exactly how how this all gets twisted around, but you know, I think it's pretty obvious that the defense in particular, really both sides, actually let's just say all three phases were not prepared for this game. That they, they weren't right. fired up. We talked on uh, Friday, uh, the days are weird, uh, but I think it was Friday. And yeah, was. <laughs> um, when we were previewing this game about how, you know, you had picked the Titans and I mentioned that I did kind of, you know, see the potential for this galvanizing effect, um, you know, with this whole situation that the Titans are going through. It's a little bit twisted to use you know, this virus and everything that's going on with it as some sort of us against the world thing. But it's Mm -hmm. this is, you know, football. These are uh, football guys, and they're going to do stuff like that. And the Titans were just way more fired up to play in this game. They were uh, way more prepared to play in this game. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, they had two weeks to prepare to prepare which they did from a coaching standpoint and the Zoom standpoint, you know, game plan and all that, but they were on the field for really essentially one practice and a walkthrough. Like, and yes, the the Bills had to deal with the weird scheduling of late in the week, not knowing exactly what was going to happen, but this idea that they were preparing for two teams, I, I don't understand that. I know Jay Glazer reported that they had two game plans, but this is... That, I think that just points to what we talked about on Friday, that they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't use the extra time over the weekend to at least get ahead. That's what teams do all the time throughout the year. That doesn't mean that when they took the practice field on Sunday that they were installing plays for the Chiefs. That That's not how this works. Like Micah Hyde said that they were not preparing for the Chiefs at all. And I think the coaches probably were doing some of that work to get ahead. But this idea that the Bills were at some massive disadvantage because they were preparing for two different teams is ridiculous. They had extra time to rest up uh, and, you know, get some guys ready. It didn't, you know, turn out that way. But, you know, they were playing on the same schedule here as the Titans. Yes, the Titans had a ton of extra rest. They also had, you know, three pretty important players uh on the COVID list. They had a lot of guys on the COVID list over the last two weeks that weren't exactly resting. Um, and they had, you know, a one single practice, like that was an actual practice and not a walkthrough. So I, I think any, I, any notion that the bills were at a disadvantage somehow uh, in this game, I, I think is stretching a little bit. Uh, it wasn't a perfect circumstance for the bills. 
but it wasn't a perfect circumstance for the Titans either. And I think the Titans handled it far better. Yeah, it, that's that's a good way to put it. It wasn't a perfect circumstance for either team. Now, I will say that like it, it's probably within football nature, not human nature, but football nature, because they're on such a routine where they get in three. The way that coaches structure the practices, they get in they get in the three practices, and then you you have the the day walkthrough on the on the day before the game. And then you play the next day. For the Bills in this instance, they had the two practices, had a day off, had a practice, then then got a walkthrough in on Sunday, and it's it's just kind of been a, a jumble all the way to Tuesday to where they they haven't uh, they weren't able to really have that set routine. I kind of wondered from that if they were to if they were going to come into this game flat, just because they are such a the, football players are so into routine more than anything that um, that when you initially start that routine and it, it gets jumbled a little bit, then I wonder if that's that kind of makes you lose your edge a little bit. The Titans, on the other hand, they didn't have any practices, so they couldn't go through that that routine but i just wondered maybe if that played a small factor but it, it doesn't really matter because the titans were going through some similar stuff to where it wasn't a normal week for them either and like you said that it was just a the titans were more prepared to playing this game and the bills knew that uh, that they just got outclassed today in in every single way possible um they and they did show some flashes throughout the day, but it just there just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough of an effort. They did things that they hadn't been doing in the first four games, and then the defense couldn't get put a stop together when when they needed to. So it was um, just an all-out failure by the Bills against the Titans, and one that they need to learn quickly from because now they have approximately six days before. They uh, welcome the Super Bowl champion Chiefs to to their facilities on on Monday night. Which, and if if they don't get things right quick, uh, that that four and zero start could quickly go to four and two. And it, I don't I don't think anyone would be surprised by that if if they were to drop that one of the Chiefs. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the 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 entire point is the Bills just did not look the part today, and this is against an opponent like the Titans, when you have that opportunity against an AFC team that was a contender last year. I know some people will be like, oh, they just got hot at the end of the year. They, they peaked at the right time, uh, you know, trying to, trying to use excuses as to why the Titans weren't that good. But the Titans are a good team. You can see it. They just dominated the Bills, and they're now 4-0. I don't care about margin of victory through the first three weeks. It's a good team, and they're going to be a factor in the AFC, and the Bills got outclassed by them today. Yeah, what you said about the the routine and the regiment is certainly true, but I also think it identified a flaw in in the Bills that needs correcting, and it needs correcting it by Sean McDermott. The, the fact that your routine gets thrown off and results in that, I, I think, is a problem mm-hmm. because— this is going to be a weird season. And frankly, you know, when you get to the playoffs, even in a normal year, the routines and everything about it isn't normal, right? You're not playing at Sunday at one o'clock. You're not, um, you know, there's so many different factors that go into a playoff game and the playoff run and, you know, uh, the game planning and the practice week and the travel and the media and everything else. It, none of it's normal. You need to be able to handle those types of situations a lot better than they did. Now, this situation may never pop up again, this specific one that they dealt with. It's kind of bizarre, but they already are going into a week. You know they weren't happy, right, with how everything was going, right, that on Thursday afternoon they didn't know what game they were playing and that they went into the weekend and, you know, a more positive tests could have screwed up the whole thing and had them preparing to, you know, play a different team. But I don't think letting that into your thinking is 
is good. Um, and it seems like it crept into their thinking in, in some shape or fashion. Uh, and it already you heard a few um, references to, you know, Sean McDermott will say, you know, some things that um, you can tell, you know, where where his head is at. And he mentioned the Chiefs having, you know, extra days rest to prepare for this game. You are, you, you've got to just like get that stuff out of your head. I mm-hmm. feel like it. like the Titans could have been, probably should have been, and would have been excused for being the team that should have been, you know, like completely sloppy in this game, right? Like the last two weeks for them have been a mess. Um, some of it their own doing, um, you know. By the way, I don't want to act like um, you know they're overcoming massive adversity. We don't know what how much was their doing, but, you know, some of it was probably their doing. But in a, you know, chaotic situation, Mike Vrabel had those guys absolutely fired up, ready to play. And this wasn't a game for the Bills against, you know, some slappy team or a, an NFC team. This was a chance to go on the road and play one of the finalists in the conference from a year ago that is undefeated yet again and looking like a team that will be there in January waiting for them. This is a playoff type of game in that, you know, it's uh, unusual in its its circumstance and it's, you know, a, an opponent that's really, really tough. And now they have a pretty similar situation heading into next week against the Chiefs where, yeah, is it perfect? No, they have a shorter week than the Chiefs do. But they should have, you know, enough rest. Um, they should have enough time. It's not like they're asking them to play on Saturday or Sunday. It is a Monday game. And, yeah, it's against the defending Super Bowl champs, uh, a team that is as good as any in football coming off a loss of their own. But these are the situations where you need to be able to, to pull things together. And uh, the way the defense played was alarming. Uh, the the amount of pre-snap penalties, the amount of uh, the turnovers, the terrible play on special teams uh, overall, all of it was just like, you got to be more ready to play than that. Uh, and if mm-hmm. you know you want to use the excuse of the schedule was screwy and the league didn't you know tell us until Thursday and we didn't know, um, you know, Fly like if you were uncomfortable playing in the game, put your foot down with the league in some fashion. Otherwise, get on the plane and get ready. Uh, and they weren't. So I don't know. I don't buy all the excuses. I guess is my point. Like really, yeah. the only um, excuse that holds really any water is that they were banged up. But that happens to every team. That's the other thing. If two guys missing throws your entire defense into disarray, then that's probably a problem with how you've built your defense. Uh, you know, I think it's or how you've built the depth of the roster exactly, too, because right. linebacker and I quarterback mean. are yeah. two weak spots. Like how you've constructed your roster, if you can't survive two players going down, then you're not going to be built to handle, uh, you know, a season. They've had good injury luck over the last few years. They've, you know, had some tough injury luck a little bit early in this season you got to be able to handle it better. So I don't know that I don't, on the one hand, I don't buy all the excuses. On the other hand, it's October. It's one game. Um, you know, there's, as long as it's taken in the right lens and not written off as, Oh, that was the week the, the league screwed us like, Oh, burn the tape. You know, as people like to say, like, no, probably watch it. (laughs) Like you did a lot of things wrong. Rebel in it. And yeah, like, this is a, a team that identified some, had some extra time to prepare for you and identified some pretty big weaknesses on both sides of the ball and exploited them to with great execution and absolutely embarrassed you on national TV. So take it personally and make sure that the next weird situation that pops up, because there will be another one, um, you know, the, the virus didn't go anywhere. Uh, the next situation that pops up, you know, be be more prepared to handle it than than they were, um, you know, this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I don't want to get away from the bigger picture stuff, but I do think we should go into some of the some of the individual letdowns in the game because you know we we reference the defense, we reference special teams, all of that good stuff, and we reference some of the the injuries that might have played an impact in it in it. But there also needs to be a bit more from some of these guys that are out there on on an every snap basis and. I think I'll start on uh, just on the defensive side of the ball because, quite frankly, I mean that's that's kind of the the big topic with people right now, um, because it's like okay, you allowed forty two points and this is a defense that was allowing twenty or fewer more often than not last season. I think the the guy that is in the crosshairs here for a lot of people is Tremaine Edmonds and. I don't know how much that shoulder injury is holding him back, but I will say that since he has come back from his shoulder injury, it's not as though he's doing anything totally differently than than what he had been doing in his first two seasons. You just kind of have to wonder if this is just who... Tremaine Edmonds is at this point. He's now in his third season. There is a huge sample size on him. He is a he is a um, a really good coverage linebacker. He is a, an average to slightly below average run defender, and he really struggles to get off blocks. I remember asking Leslie Frazier. I don't know if I think it was like midway through last year, maybe in the early stages of last year. Is I asked him, can block shedding be taught can block shedding be learned and especially at the NFL level and and his opinion was yes it can it can be learned however time and time again we have not seen Edmonds being able to do that we have not seen Edmonds be able to put himself in the right spots against the run and it's I mean, obviously the run defense wasn't the the huge factor, but it's more of a a bigger point at Edmonds. Now, without Milano next to him, he doesn't seem as decisive. He doesn't seem like he is in all the areas that he needs to be. And there were sometimes throughout some flashes throughout his career where he's been instinctive. He's trusted what he's seeing in front of him. He's gotten to the spot where he's need, needed to, and it's like, okay, I can see what the Bills envision with this guy. But it's it hasn't been frequent enough, and there's too many times where he falls back into this. Now, I do want I I at least want to give some wiggle room here, just because if that shoulder is really hurting him, then it's it, it might be affecting his play. So I at least want to chuck that into the conversation at, at least casually, but. Edmonds has been nowhere close to the player they've needed him to be so far this season, injury or not. And especially without Milano, they need him to bring his game up. And they just haven't gotten that through the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, there's been a lot of individual letdowns at different points from from the defense. Um, I I think Josh Norman is an easy one to point to this week. Yeah. I think Tremaine Edmonds um, is certainly an easy one to point to. Uh, I think Taron Johnson is another one. Um, he's, he's been awful in coverage all year. He's easily picked on. Uh, I thought, mm-hmm. 
I feel like Ed Oliver at times has been inconsistent and, you know, the whole, the whole defensive line tonight was just not getting much push at all. And the way they were losing contain on Tannehill was a pretty bad sign. Uh, There was just a lot that didn't go right on defense and they, they just didn't seem like they were ready for that Titans offense that, really had it's a completely different looking group than the one they faced last October and mm-hmm. you know they they showed that tonight with the different weapons that they have um you know AJ Brown is a really good receiver um they've always had Derrick Henry but with Ryan Tannehill at the helm uh they're they're just a different group so yeah i think there was collectively a lot of individual letdown some of it that you expect um you know guys filling in for um Tredavious White and Matt Milano are not going to be Tredavious White and Matt Milano that's fine that's to be expected but Tremaine Edmonds at some point needs to be better than he is um Mm -hmm. and at some point they need to have they don't have right now they had their two difference makers were missing tonight Nobody else has been making a difference. And they're going to need guys like Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver to be difference makers. Otherwise, if Matt Milano walks, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are, are getting a little bit older. You know, where are those difference makers coming from? They haven't, you know, they, I, they talk a lot about drafting and developing and they, you know, drafted and developed Matt Milano. Uh, they drafted and developed Tredavious White. Outside of that, they haven't really hit. You can't, like, confidently say they've hit on any draft picks since then. Uh, you know what's interesting? Ball. You know what's interesting? I was actually having a, uh, a conversation with your friend and mine, Michael Rodak, this evening. And he he made an astute observation to say, have any of the defensive guys that Bean has brought in really hit so far? I mean, if you look down the list, the difference makers that we're talking about are all guys that McDermott brought in before Bean came around, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. Um, I mean, the guys that Bean has brought around, Star Latulule, Vontae Davis... Josh Norman, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, and I will say Ed Oliver has has looked pretty good um, a lot a lot of the times, and, and he just hasn't been that that flashy game wrecker um, in the middle of that defensive line that maybe a lot of people were expecting. He's still he's still been he's still been good. He played really well at the end of the last season, and he played really well at the beginning of this season, but he's kind of fallen off the last couple of weeks. Um, I think for him. Uh, for when when you look at this in totality, they're they're missing a a true uh, next guy uh, on that list, where they're they've just been kind of floating along with White being a star, Jerry Hughes being really good off the edge, uh, and again this season, in case I know Jerry Hughes gets a lot of flack because he doesn't he doesn't get sacks and he didn't have a his best game tonight. But heading into this game, he has the second highest pass rush win rate in the league, uh, and I, I saw that from from uh, from ESPN uh, earlier in the week. So it, so that's not it's not as though Hughes is any uh, he's it's not as though he's like a, a lacking player in there. But that's another guy that you know Bean hasn't brought in. I I, I don't know how how much this will live uh throughout the entire season because the guys can obviously improve but the guys that we're talking about some of the weaknesses that that we're talking about were were after that 2017 um acquiring period and i just i just thought it was a kind of a, a salient point by by mr rodak you're you're really risking uh, getting in trouble bringing up Michael Rodak's name uh, with the you know listeners. what it, it was a good point you gotta <laughs> well, give, you gotta give credit where it's due it's a it's a good point and you expand on it further I mean look Jordan Poyer Micah Hyde Jerry Hughes Tredavious White Matt Milano those are the best players on the Bills defense 
and they were all here um, in 2017 or earlier. Um, since then, I mean, yeah, like Harrison Phillips coming off a torn ACL, so you know, kind he has of not a, been good. kind of a tough deal there, but he hasn't been yeah. great. Um, you know, Ed Oliver is uh, to be determined, right? Um, he's had mm-hmm. some good moments. He's had some okay moments. Yeah, like you said, he has not been that game wrecker that you would hope for in a top 10 pick, but he's shown the potential to be that guy at times, so maybe still too early. Maybe a little early to say on Tremaine Edmonds, but he's been good, not great, and the type of money you're going to talk about paying a guy like that, you know, you you wonder. Um and then you've got, you know, A.J. Epinesa has, you know, he's just a guy at this point. Trent Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is a, a good run defender, but that's not really, you know, a guy that you're um, necessarily, you know, counting on to be a superstar. Um, has been pretty good. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of either misses or like just okay additions uh, on that side of the ball. And a lot of their best additions on both sides of the ball have been uh, free agents and trades. Um, I think they've been better uh, in free agency than they have in the draft um, yeah, since 2018. Because um, the 2017 draft is McDermott's um, slash, if you want to give him some credit, Doug Whaley. Shout out to Doug Whaley. I mean, in the, in, <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen is part of the 2018 class, and that's, that's yeah, why. Yeah, that it, will be, if that's a hit, then yeah. none, of, none of the rest really matters, yeah. right? And yeah, you exactly. could say, oh, yeah. Stephon Diggs is part of the 2020 class. I, eh, I don't really think that's how it works. Um, but <laughs> it, it does count as a great addition. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's a, yeah, for a, sure. an awesome addition, but it's not a draft pick. Uh, you didn't draft the guy. So um, more of just a, you know, you know, zooming out and wondering like all right you know because when poyer and hyde eventually you know age out and you know you end up having to replace those guys or when you know when the salary cap gets tighter because you've had to pay some of your own talent you need those guys waiting in the wings to replace them right like cole beasley for instance cole beasley and john brown like john brown wasn't out there tonight cole beasley um has been really good and those guys are older players who eventually you might have to move on from to make room to sign some, you know, another player, especially if you have to sign the quarterback. So you need to be like backfilling that with the guys that you've drafted. And a lot of the guys that we mentioned that they've drafted, um, you know, they've kind of been misses. Um, you think about Taron Johnson, um, Harrison Phillips was in that, that 2018 draft. Um, Vashawn Joseph. Vashawn Joseph was, was, was no good. Um, you know, Ray Saran Ray McLeod, Neal is a special teams guy. Yeah, Saran Neal's not not that great. Um, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's and the other thing too is you you see guys out there. You see guys like AJ Brown, um, like DK Metcalf, like you know these guys that were you know available to be taken. I guess Singletary would be the other pick, right? Like he's got a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I think the point was more on the defensive side of the ball. But you could take it as a whole big picture point of, you know, we're yeah. getting to the point where you have to start judging some of these draft picks and not just talking yeah, about sure. them as balls of clay and, you know, big uh, potential, um, you know, using the, the buzzwords. Like, you need to start seeing some of the results so that when you have guys go down like they did tonight, there's people to, to step up and, and make plays. So, um We'll learn, you know, more as we go along. It's still early um, in a lot of respects, but to be four and one, and in the, you know, talking about some of the problems that they have, is a lot better yeah. than you know the alternative. And the reason they are is still because of the quarterback. Um, he's the reason they're four and one. Uh, the offense is the reason they're four and one, not the defense. And I thought Josh Allen was okay tonight. I didn't really think he was the reason they lost. Um, not his best game, his worst game, in fact, of the season. Um, but I didn't think he was the reason they lost. Uh, by any I think stretch. the diff, I think the difference with with Josh tonight, as opposed to other nights, is that he wasn't getting away with some of the throws he got away with in the first four games. He had um, some bad and, interception luck. Right, right. He he had the bad interception luck. 
with uh, on the first drive where Andre Roberts, you know, dropped the pass. It was a little bit behind him, of course, and he needs to put a better ball to to Roberts, but Roberts also got his hands on it and basically tip-drilled it right to the defender, and not much you can do from that point forward. But, uh, but yes, that, that was bad luck that he hasn't really encountered so far this season outside of the the interception against the Rams and then, you know, throwing throwing a bad pass that ends up getting intercepted, just just a terrible decision um, and forcing forcing the ball in. He did that multiple times this evening and he was very lucky, to be honest, to only escape with, with two interceptions from this game. However, on the flip side, he also showed those electric glimpses that we that we've seen through the first four weeks to where it makes you think he's probably going to be fine just because it's not like uh, this was just an a bottom falling out performance from him that drive after his first interception was spectacular where he he converted on on four separate third downs really five if you want to count the um the third and ten that resulted in a Gabe Davis touchdown that was nullified by a penalty. So that's five separate times where he faced a third down and converted on it. Uh, he was, he, I believe he, he accounted for over 90% of the yards on that drive. Like the, like the guy was just outstanding on, on that series, but there were times where he was trying to force him, especially in the second half. You could tell he, he wanted to get the ball down the field but the Titans' zone coverage was so good and so uh, so solid. They didn't have those holes that maybe the Rams did um, when when they were going up against them in Week Three. That uh, that Allen just couldn't find those spots and he had to settle for the small stuff. And then he started wanting more and started forcing more passes. So yeah, like you said, not his not his absolute worst game ever. His worst game of the season, which really isn't saying much because he was great in the first four games, but. You know there were there was some to be desired, and certainly his interception luck ran out because there were little hints throughout those first four games where he was making you know some bad decisions here or there that wound up falling harmlessly to the turf. Uh, but that didn't happen uh, this time around uh, against the Titans, and it ended up hurting the Bills a couple of times. Yeah, I think there's a this game raises some sustainability questions i think because yeah, for sure you can't get away with throwing the dangerous passes that he's thrown throughout his career um you can't get away with it every week the thing that he continues to get away with which astounds me and get away with probably isn't really the the right phrase but what he continues to do is make an absolute living escaping pressure and yeah, he is really good at he's that. He's so hard to to take down in the pocket. And that drive you're talking about, he escaped a sack on a third and seven and ran for a first down. He escaped a sack on third and fifteen, scrambled left and threw to Andre Roberts for a first down. Like those are plays like there was a drive at one point, uh, and Ryan Tannehill is not um a stiff. He's not a parking cone. Like he can move. Um but there was a, a play um, on one drive. It was like third and five or whatever, and they managed to you know pressure Tannehill, and he threw a, a lousy pass but almost got sacked, and it was like that's the type of play that Josh Allen can turn into a first down almost routinely. Now, the reason I bring up sustainability is like how long can he do that? That's a skill that he undoubtedly has and that he's really good at, but this is not a case of, um, occasionally it's like a subtle move to avoid pressure. More often than not, it is like an athletic move to avoid pressure and kind of, you know, work the scramble drill and it, he's really good at it. But from sustainability, I don't mean like the rest of the season. I'm more talking like, can you play that way forever? Um, and maybe he can, I don't know, but he is so good at at escaping sacks and you know he showed it again tonight the titans were able to bring him down that is the thing you get you can only escape for so long aaron donald showed him that 
Um, and, you know, there were a few times the Titans showed them it tonight. But And when guys tackle them, they tend to tackle them really hard because they're like, I've got this guy, I'm going to whip him to the ground because if I don't, he'll probably slip away. And I think more teams will start to pick up on that. But to me, that's one of, one of if not, his best trait. Um, obviously, he's got a howitzer for an arm too. Um, but there were yeah. there were some some really good moments from him. Um, he definitely, you know, I think looked a little bit more like 2019 Josh Allen uh, than he did 2020. Yeah. But there was enough of the 2020 guy in there where you didn't feel like he had totally collapsed. But now the Titans have kind of you know put something out there for for other teams to chew on. The Chiefs have done a really nice job. Uh, they did a really nice job against Cam Newton and a really nice job against, um, well, not against Cam Newton. They, I'm thinking Lamar Jackson. Um, but they've done, uh, their defensive coordinator has done a number uh, on quarterbacks who are elusive, uh, so to speak. And they have the book on Lamar Jackson, it seems. so, And so did the Titans. Uh, came out with a similar plan against Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year. So uh, while the Chiefs defense got lit up, um, I still think they're a little bit of a, a force to be reckoned with next Monday because they've they've come up with some plans in the past to, to give quarterbacks headaches. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, just because Allen didn't have his A game tonight, I, I don't think fans should necessarily be discouraged because you know he still showed those uh, that that guy from the first four weeks is there and you know we, we could be set, setting ourselves up if if the Chiefs defense is more of what we saw against the Raiders um, as opposed to what we saw earlier in the season we could be setting up for a a dynamite quarterback matchup on on Monday which I will be very uh intrigued to see in person uh for for that game so but yes we'll we'll get into that more as as the week goes along here as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's 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 give out some awards, Mr. Fairburn, because uh, there are plenty of candidates and we haven't had a lot of candidates for the our, our mainstay awards being the Dre Archer and Levante Davis, but... We got plenty of them today. So let's kick it off with the Dre Archer Award for the player that didn't show up at all today. And I think we could both safely come up with one of our own and and uh, not have any overlap here. So who do you have for the Dre Archer Award? Yeah, this one is this one is tough because there's so many choices. Um, right. Not <laughs> tough because, uh, because I can't decide. I'm going to pick Andre Roberts. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I mean uh, – the, like you said, that throw was a little bit behind him early in the game, but, um, you know, it, it was still, it hit his hands. Like, um, you'd rather let it hit the ground than do what he did with it. Um, but the fumble late in the game too, it was just yeah. like the guy never, never got going. Um, in fact, they'd probably prefer it if he didn't show up, um, because he was doing, he would have done less harm if he didn't show up at all. So, Maybe this is an inappropriate award to give him, but uh, I'm going to go Andre Roberts. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably take Taron Johnson for this just because 
it's it's just bad in coverage every single week and I give Johnson so much credit for the work he does as a run defender how he fills in his tackling ability all of that is right on but when he is going up against a receiver and it's man coverage or even in zone honestly because a lot of times it just turns into man anyway when he is faced up against the receiver he hesitates just like a split second and allows the receiver to go on his merry way rather than rather than reading the body language and getting where he needs to go it just he just he just doesn't have that skill set and he he allows separation almost every single time and that is not a winning type of option to have on the field for what was he on the field for for 58% of your snaps today so the, and it's usually higher than that because the the Titans ran more um, more offensive personnel that that brought on three linebackers on the field but Johnson we keep saying it every week. He needs to be better. He needs to be better. But what if he's just not? What if what if he's just not the 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 passing game um, nickel corner that they wanted him to be? And quite honestly, it's probably going to result in them looking uh, in the off season to find one to replace him or to potentially replace him with like a draft pick at, at some point in 2021 so yeah I'll, I'll give mine to Taron Johnson uh all right Vontae Davis uh award for the player that didn't show up in the second half who you got hmm I'm gonna go with Devin Singletary um great option he I don't just know knocking that, it out of the park today I don't know that he did anything in the second half i have to pull up the first half stats but i mean he would have been a candidate for dree archer he was pretty pretty lousy on the hole today but yeah you know without watching you never know exactly if it's blocking or what else but he was invisible in this game and they could have used him um for sure Mm -hmm. they could they could use some semblance of a running game from somebody other than uh josh allen they did get uh quite a little quite a bit out of tj yeldon today but that's uh that's for later in the program um but i'm gonna go devin singletary on this one yeah um honestly second second half no shows uh singletary was the one that that stuck out in my mind if there was a first half no show it'd be cole beasley because he didn't have a catch um let's see second half no show I'd probably just go with AJ Klein. <laughs> I mean, I mean the the guy just when he was out there, not really great. Uh, they allowed a touchdown. Actually, this is, he's a perfect example for this because he got replaced by Tyrell Dodson uh, as as one of their top two linebackers without Milano out there, and he was supposed to be the replacement outside linebacker, and his level of play has just been so poor that they couldn't do that. So, so yeah, I'll give I'll give that to AJ Klein for that award. All right, now the Blaine Gabbert Award for perseverance. Uh, I would like to to go first on this one, and I will give it to Tyler Bass for. Kicking a field goal as Corey Bajorquez put laces in again on him. It's just, that, that's that's a persevering act in itself. And I think it was a pretty popular topic when it happened. But, uh, but yeah, Tyler Bass forcing it through and, and getting... Uh, and and undoing the demons of of Ace Ventura with <laughs> that that was made so popular by the Jim Carrey movie. So I'll, I'll give that to Tyler Bass. Yeah, at this point, I'm wondering like if he prefers it that way because Corey Bohorquez yeah, does it so often. That's it's true. A little weird. Um, yeah. I don't think any kicker prefers it that way, but uh, that would be yeah. kind of funny. For me, I'm going to go with T.J. Yeldon. Um, a guy that has not played a whole lot since he signed here. Um, a guy that plenty of people probably have called for to be cut. He made a few 
random big plays. Uh, he ran seven times for 52 yards, um, you know, most of it garbage yardage, but he had that first down uh, on a, as a short yardage back on a third and one. He had a 22-yard touchdown catch, so he proved to be somewhat useful uh, in this game. And Also, his, uh, his highest snap count since being active, um, since Zach Moss went down, he ended up with 29 snaps to Devin Singletary's 48 today. So, so yeah, that perseverance definitely yeah they found a way to get him involved and he answered you know the call with with a few big plays and um he looked you know like he had some spring in his step so maybe he's an option for them um in some capacity but certainly they want to have zach moss back at some point but yeldon uh, was was pretty good tonight all right and then and last but not least the sean mcdermott gotta watch the tape award i think Probably just goes to Sean McDermott because he did it again. <laughs> he did do it again. I mean, you could give it to Sean it McDermott. You could give it to – I mean, Sean McDermott said he wished that the flight home from Nashville was six hours so that he could watch all the tape, um, which is just <laughs> taking it to a new level. Certainly, Sean McDermott and his defense could use all the tape they could get, um, and that's the crutch that he used. Um, I'm going to go Dawson Knox. Um, uh, yes, he had the, the one catch for 15 yards. It was a nifty little play, uh, but another drop, uh, he, I don't know. It's something's not mm-hmm. clicking there. Uh, he's losing snaps to Tyler Croft at a pretty alarming rate. Yeah. As he should be because mm-hmm. he's missing blocks occasionally. He's dropping passes mm-hmm. occasionally. This was supposed to be a year it would, it would click for the guy and, you know, second-year tight end, you know, but it's not, uh, frankly. It's it's not clicking at the moment, and uh, it's still, still early, so, you know, it, it could come together. But when it's the same issue uh, with the drops, it, that's a problem. But I'll uh, I'll reserve judgment until I watch the tape. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have a specific award for this, but uh... – a um, a a hat tip to Gabriel Davis tonight. He thought he had a pretty good game and um, ended up playing all offensive snaps, one hundred percent. And he he was filling in for John Brown, and it just goes to show exactly what the Bills think of him, especially without one of their top two outside receivers in there. That means Davis becomes a mainstay of the offense rather than just a bit player as sometimes we saw last year with McKenzie and Duke Williams and Robert Foster. No, Davis Davis filled in fully for John Brown in that game. And, uh, and yeah, so – and he had a pretty nice nice game. He, he had a, a touchdown catch taken away from him. But, uh, but yeah, I, I thought a, a pretty nice game for him all around. Yeah, he's been he's – been- chugging along um he gives them a reason to put four receivers on the field and he makes it so that when john brown's not out there it's not the devastating loss that it would have been a year ago they did miss john brown today however yeah you always miss a guy there was a lot of attention on digs i mean he's a he's a really good receiver uh who can stretch the field Mm -hmm. deep you're gonna miss a guy like that um but Mm -hmm. now that they have digs cole beasley and gabriel davis that's Still a pretty good three, even if you're missing John Brown. So, yeah, you like to have the four deep uh, that has made them such an explosive passing offense. But kind of like we said on the other side, you know, if the passing offense is going to hinge on having all four of those guys firing on all cylinders, that's a, a high bar to clear. So you got to be able to, to survive in advance without a guy like that. And we'll see. We'll get – we were kind of – locked out of practice at the end of last week we'll get to see a little bit more this week of of how these guys look um you know Tredavious White John Brown and Matt Milano will be the three people are watching most closely yeah it would be nice to if we could see Tredavious White at all because he wasn't even at practice at all um on, on that Wednesday and Thursday when we when we were there so yes much to be determined before the Bills take on the Chiefs on Monday all right, Matthew Fairburn. Uh, if and, and if anyone has uh, wants to go read up on on this game, uh, the challenges the Bills were facing, and and certainly how they just kind of came out flat in this game, you can go check out Matthew Fairburn's piece. Of course, I'll have my observations up 
uh, from the Bills-Titans game, which includes a lot of the breakdown of the defense and, and everything along those lines. That'll be up uh, at some point on Wednesday morning. And so, so yes, uh, a lot of good reasons to jump in to a subscription on The Athletic. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. Get yourself a nice little discount by going to that code, theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat to subscribe, to read all of our Bills coverage and all of our Sabres coverage, all of our NFL coverage, NHL, MLB, NBA, Premier League. Let the list go on and on and on. Whatever you're interested in, odds are we've got somebody covering it. Okay, Matthew Fairburn, fond words of farewell, or are we out of words tonight? I'm out. Uh, these primetime games <laughs> take it all out of me. And we got yeah, another so one. Now one fi- Semi-primetime coming up next week. Yeah. Yeah, it is now 1.58 in the morning, if anyone is wondering when we're recording this. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you later this week to preview the Bills game coming up against the Chiefs. Should be a doozy. Talk to you then.